Welcome to The Strategic Investor. Join us as we interview some of the world's most productive asset managers and uncover sophisticated and unique investment strategies in the markets. Here is your host, Charlie Wright. Hello and welcome to Strategic Investor Radio on OC Talk Radio, where we bring you investment strategies you are not hearing elsewhere. That's especially the case today. We'd like to welcome for the very first time Joseph Mass, founder and CEO of Synergy Financial Management, an SEC registered investment advisory firm focusing on servicing other RIA firms and investors. He speaks to us from the headquarters in Seattle. Joe, welcome to Strategic Investor Radio. Well, thank you, Charlie. Um, It's good to be here. So thank you for having me. And so, Joe, uh, I was noticing on the website, you need more designations here. You're a CFA, you're a CFP, and you have a total of nine designations. That's uh, more than I knew ever existed. Are you now studying for dentistry or orthodontics or the priesthood or anything like that? How is it that you ended up with nine? Well, you know, it's kind of a funny story. Um, when I started off early in my career, I got the CLU, and it's the Chartered Life Underwriter credential, and I learned a ton. And then I got the CHFC, and the more I studied, Charlie, the more I realized I didn't know what I didn't know. I thought I was kind of a smart guy coming out of college, had a spring in my step, I had a degree in finance. I kind of thought I, I knew some stuff, but the more I studied, the more I realized I didn't know what I didn't know, and it put me on a quest to always make sure I knew. And so, hence nine, nine, uh, nine certificates and degrees, because I want to make sure I can serve my clients the best. And as you know, in these ever-changing markets, um, if the rate of change inside your firm is not faster than the rate of change outside your firm, you're kind of dead. And so my educational belief, um, and I teach finance at the local university, my educational belief is that if my personal educational quest is, is ending, I'm ending. And so it really drove me to continue. The, you know, it's kind of funny. The smarter you get, the dumber you get. And so I've been a, I've been a student of life. I've been a student of finance. And it's been a great journey. Well, I, I appreciate that, and uh, it's a, a great attitude here. So uh, you started uh, your professional life with John Hancock and uh, went into personal production. Then you became a manager, and you recruited and managed office. Then you left them and started a broker-dealer, had 50-plus uh, uh, advisors and agents. Then you went back to personal production, and uh, now you, uh, you, you have started uh, Synergy Financial Management, and you got work with other RIAs. You have 18 portfolios and a hedge fund, and you provide marketing and back office support to everybody. So I got to hand it to you, Joe. You are one ambitious guy here. So tell us very briefly about Synergy Financial, and then we'll get into our real questions here. Yeah, sure. So, you know, Synergy Financial Management is a, we're an SEC registered investment advisory firm. And we, um, when I went back into private practice, when I left the broker-dealer, I became the sales prevention department, a.k.a. compliance. Uh, and so I decided I needed to either get really big or get small. So I went back into private practice, and we were serving mainly a, an affluent business owner. We formed an SEC investment advisory firm, a business valuation consulting firm, and a mergers and acquisition firm. And we then helped those lower middle market business owners grow and build and sell their business and integrating their personal financial planning with the financial planning and analysis on the corporate level. And so 
uh, we were happy. Then a few few years ago, some of the guys from my past asked, asked me if we'd start managing money for them again, and I politely declined. I said, no, we're very happy. But they kept asking, and then the DOL ruling came out, and um, some national firms asked me to help build some, some national platforms. So we are now back at it, um, back to serving advisors. So we really help them with three things. We help advisors with world-class money management. We help them with uh, marketing management, and we help them with practice management. And we have a program called Advisor Empowerment, and we're really there to try to help advisors grow. So we're all about nurturing and, and helping uh, share our life's experiences and knowledge with others to try to help them move forward. Well, uh, it sounds like, uh, Joe, you got plenty of background and plenty of areas to talk to them about that uh, most advisors don't focus on. So uh, let's focus on your money management uh, services here. And uh, again, you have 18 strategies as well as a hedge fund. So tell us about what you call your, your flagship or sailboat strategy here. Okay. So we, the reason we have um, so many strategies is that we want to make sure that regardless of the market conditions, we always have a portfolio that's going to be working. So it's like for a lot of your audience that plays golf, right? When you play golf, you don't just go out and use your putter and your 7-iron. You need to use a driver, a 7-iron, a putter, a wedge. And so in the markets, it's the same, same way, Charlie. We have to make sure that we have the right tool for the job based on what the market's giving us. And so we have portfolios that are built on modern portfolio theory, kind of 2.0, a little bit more advanced stuff than markets originally created. We have things that are 100% tactical. We have focused stock. We have focused bonds. So basically, we have a full bag of clubs, portfolios, so that regardless of what the market's doing, the financial advisor and the client can always have the appropriate tool for the job at hand. Um, you know, a lot of times I call this practice preservation. And what I mean by that is if you're a growth manager and growth goes out of favor, a lot of your clients will say, gee, Joe, I really love you and you've been a great growth manager, but value's in favor, so we're, we're leaving to, we're going to go join ABC because you don't offer value. Or, you know, Joe, you've, you've been a tactical manager and that's not working right now, and so we're going to this other firm. So the reason that we have these is that we want to make sure that the advisor and the client, most important because we're fiduciaries, always has the right tool for the job. And that's why we have 18 portfolios. Our speedboat, I mean our, our sailboat that you mentioned, is one of our flagships because it's a 100% tactical portfolio. And the unique thing about this, it's a, it's a blend of, we call it, uh, in, internally we call it an FTA model, focused tactical allocation. And it's a rules-based asset allocation model um, that's low cost, uses no cost ETFs, and it's very adaptive to the market. And so it has three, three components in the equity sleeve and one fixed income sleeve. In the equity sleeve, we have, if we're bullish, we can be long. If we're bearish, we're in cash. The second sleeve is if we're bullish, we're long equities, and if we're bearish, we're short. I shorted the market a couple weeks ago. That's panning out pretty well for us. Uh, and then the third uh, sleeve of, is the sector rotation, where we look at about 200 global sectors around the world, and we rotate into whichever sector is working. So we're very agnostic. Um, another thing about the, the sailboats that's pretty cool is that they're not just built on you know, long-term moving averages or short-term moving averages. We blend multiple periodicities and multiple factors. So it's kind of like a trend aggregation. We, we're, we're making a portfolio of signals. We don't just use relative strength or a moving average. We're actually using 10 to 12 different signals, and we blend and weight them based on the, what the market's doing. So these are very adaptive portfolios that are going to go kind of like a sailboat, 
go to where that wind is. They're tacting like a sailboat. They're going to go find return wherever that is in, in, in the world. And so that happens both at the equity level and at the fixed income level. So, Joe, uh, tell us, what, what misperceptions do you see by investments and particularly by advisors in this tactical strategy space that, that, that you've carved out here? Yeah, you know, that's a great question, uh, Charlie. The, the biggest thing i got to say that I, f- I found in my 30 years of doing this is that, you know, clients and advisors, advisors don't understand what it's supposed to do. Again, in 2008, you know, asset allocation was being used, and, you know, asset allocation models went down 20%. Market right. went down 50 or 40, so it did its job, but people thought that they weren't supposed to be able to lose money with asset allocation, so they misunderstood what asset allocation was really supposed to do. And so with tactical portfolios, it's the same, it's the same type of uh, story. Most advisors think, oh, it's tactical, so it sh- there should never be a drawdown. There should never be a loss. And that's not the case. There, there definitely can be drawdowns and losses. So you just have to realize the limitations of your tool, right? A hammer and a screwdriver. A hammer is great for pounding uh, nails, but it's not so good for screwing screws. So if you expect your hammer to screw screws, you're going to be disappointed. And so if you expect your tactical portfolio or whatever style of portfolio you're following to do something that it wasn't built and designed to do, you're going to have a disappointed client and a disappointed, you know, advisor. You know, there's three things that we we do professionally, Charlie. Um, and, and first one is uh, we investigate. The second thing I do is analyze. And the third thing I do is communicate. And the hardest part about being a human is that communication part. You know, most guys, and especially me, are really good at the, at the analysis and the investigation. But when it comes to communicating, that's the hardest part. So uh, what I found is that the communication and understanding of what a portfolio or strategy is supposed to do and what it really does, there can be a disconnect. Yeah, and uh, I can certainly understand that. You're dealing with uh, complex issues and uh, things that are uh, changing every single day, especially uh, in uh, weeks and months like this one. So, so what would you say are the major objections that you run into by primarily advisors, okay, when you're talking to them about your portfolios? Well, why do they not do this? What do you have to overcome? One, you have <laughs> talked about their expectations, okay, yeah. uh, but, but number two, it's probably not not the only one. Well, you know, the disadvantage that I have, you know, one of my weaknesses I have, uh, Charlie, is I have nine credentials. And so sometimes people think that uh, I should be able to predict the future. And they come to me as an expert and they say, well, you've got nine credentials, Mr. Smarty Pants. Tell me what's going to happen. And of course, I can't predict the future better than, than anyone else. And so I think that you know, they expect they expect guaranteed results or they expect that we can, you know, guarantee the future, that we have some special uh, crystal ball. And um, because we're well-versed and well-studied that, you know, we're going to be able to predict the future. So in the end, we, we, we just can't predict the future. You know, we're not trying to time the market. We're trying to use the preponderance of the evidence before us to get on the right side of a trade, right? And sometimes people want... Uh, you know, they really want the trade to work out, and they, they think that they're going to come to you and they're going to get this guaranteed future. And, and that's, you know, that's probably the biggest objection we get is that, well, why didn't, we, why didn't it work exactly as you planned it? And that's, you know, because it just doesn't always work the way you plan it. Yeah, yeah. But, but anybody who does investing, um, you know, actual investing, not just choosing money managers, but actual investing, should know that. You know? <laughs> well, you, you, that's, you know, that's why you're right. They should. But, you know, we're human and we, you know, we believe in pink unicorns. So, <laughs> OK, let's change the subject a little bit. You work with a lot of advisors and have for years. 
Okay. What do you see as the biggest practice management weaknesses of most advisors? <clears throat> oh, another great, you got great questions. Well, you know, I think that most people uh, bootstrap their practice, <clears throat> and there's a big difference between having a practice and being a financial planner. You know, and more, more, let's say there's a, there's a difference between a, being a business owner and being a financial planner. Right. And what I see is a lot of advisors get confused on who they are. And the way you need to run a business is quite different than the way you need to be a financial planner. And they're, they're, it's like a why in the road, Charlie. And if you're going to be a financial advisor, that's great. You can have a long career. You, you know, you're going to have a prosperous career, but you're going to do things differently compared to being a business owner. You know, if you're going to be a business owner, you need to have transferable value. You need to be building, building the firm value, not your brand, right? It's the difference between personal goodwill and corporate goodwill. Uh, you know, a business owner needs to have staff. <clears throat> it needs to have structure. It needs to be a business. <clears throat> so I see a lot of advisors that are, that are thinking that they're a business owner, but they're acting like a financial advisor. They're acting like uh, they're, they're not a business owner. And, of course, I'm sure your audience is familiar with, with Michael Gerber and the E-Myth, and the E-Myth talks about you know, the paradigm of an entrepreneur where there's a, the entrepreneur visionary, there's a manager, and there's a technician. And to run a business, you need all three of those personalities. Uh, the problem that I found in the past is that most of the top advisors are the A-type ADD go guy, and they don't get a manager and they don't get a technician. And so if you, to simplify it, if you drew a T account, on one side you have analysts, on the other side you have salespeople, and it's really hard to make a salesperson an analyst, and it's hard to make an analyst a salesperson. So if the financial adva advisor is an analyst, then he needs to find and partner up with a salesperson. If he's a salesperson, then he needs to find and partner up with the analyst. And so it's just kind of a mixed match of the personality and not having the structure and the, and the team and the staff to actually grow a, a, grow a business. And again, not everyone necessarily needs to be an entrepreneur and have a business, but that's just what I've found uh, that some people struggle with is just understanding, are they really a business owner or are they a financial you know, financial advisor? And there is a difference. You know, I really appreciate that. We've done over 300 interviews here. Uh uh, Joe, and uh, this is the first time that the E-Myth has come up. And I read the E-Myth, I think, about 25 years ago and uh, became kind of a, a follower of Michael Gerber. I read read his second book when it came out, and that was before, really, the, the Internet and uh, couldn't follow things as one could today. But uh, no question about it, and I have used his phrase, I don't know how many times, you need to work on your business, not in your business. That's correct. I and, love that saying. And, yep. And, uh, and, you know, and that is so very, very important, but it's difficult to do. It usually requires capital that is beyond the, the, <laughs> the, the pocket and even the reach of uh, so many advisors. And it's just so easy to go on and on as things are, recognizing that, yes, I need to do something about that. But right now I got to write this, uh, this email. You know? Yeah, right. <laughs> That's right. <laughs> and uh, it's it's a major challenge. So uh, I'm sure you, you face that all the time. And, and I imagine that that's part of what you guys come in and try to offer is what we're going to help you with your back office stuff, with your money management, with some of your marketing, etc. And, uh, you know, that frees you up to do other things that you really do well. And then, you know, you can bring in and partner with others, etc. And the like here.
So uh, continue. Said it better. Go ahead. Uh, I couldn't have said it better. Yet. Okay, good. So Joe, tell us question we'd like to ask our guests. What's the best advice you've ever heard, read, or received about investing? You know, that's an easy one. That's patience and discipline. Uh, patience, discipline, and being intellectually honest with with your work. Um, and that's kind of in the Buffett camp. So a lot of Buffett's readings um, and teachings are going to be, um, they're very simple. They work, but they're so simple people um, do not do not de- deploy them as much as they should. So patience, discipline, and being intellectually honest with your work and your assessment and not to let your personal behavioral biases creep into your professional work. So that is um, patience, discipline, and being intellectually honest with your systems and your processes. Yeah, you know, no, no, no question about it. I really appreciate all three of those because we live in a day of opinions. And everybody's got an opinion, and, you, and, and that opinion often depends upon or, or is reinforced by what uh, television shows you watch or what cable programs you watch, right? And That's so right. Uh, people ask me all the time, you know, well, what's going to happen with gold? What's going to happen with the U.S. market? What's going to happen with emerging markets? Okay, and I say, you know, every day there are millions of shares of each one of those things that are bought and sold, and there's the same number of people selling as the number of people. Buying. So if you're looking for an opinion, it's not hard to find somebody <laughs> with an opinion that either agrees with or is contrary to what your opinion is. And so what is so easily done today is to curve fit, you know, our back testing and our opinions so that we reinforce what we already believe. And we all know how investment managers have done that in the past, and not always, uh, you know, purposefully, but it's just very, very easy to do. So if we change this one little thing, it'll say, okay, if, if we put in this formula, it will work. Well, what we did was we just curve fit it to fit that particular movement in 2008, okay, and had that movement come you know, a month earlier or a month later, it would have required a different movement uh, in, in our back testing. And so we think we've come up with this great formula, but really we have confirmed our pre-existing ideas. And I really oh. appreciate you bringing that stuff up. Yep, that's, we call that confirmation bias and the pigment yeah. theory. Yeah, Yep. that's right. Yes, so what keeps you awake at night, Joe? Oh, you're not going to like my answer on this, Charlie. <laughs> um. You got loud dogs? <laughs> my kids. <laughs> my three- and five-year-old, my son and daughter. That's what keep me up at night. Uh, Joe, uh, Joe is a father of seven. I can relate, <laughs> believe me. Believe me. And Joe, when they get to be teenagers, you'll really find out what it's like. <laughs> oh, I look forward to that. I, I'd be blessed to have them turn into wonderful teenagers. But, you know, uh, you know, kidding aside on a professional note, what keeps me up at night is, is really not much. And the reason is that everything we do is, is a process. You know, systems breed success. Duplicable, you know, systems breed success. And if you have five steps in a system and you're following it, you're going to get the result. And if you don't, well, you go back and you change, you, you fix, you recalibrate one of the steps in the system. So if you are, you know, we're an institutional manager, right? We, we follow institutional processes. And so we're, we're not guessing, we're not making decisions based on feeling, we're not letting those emotional biases get involved. Um, we're, we're following professional institutional money management systems that breed success. And then we find a 
lot of safety and comfort in that. So as far as the markets and what's going on, it much doesn't, I don't really worry because we let the systems work. And then, um, you know, Confucius said, I think that when the water comes down the river and if it hits the rock, the water doesn't stop. The water goes around the rock. So um, we know we have to manage through all kinds of um, trials and tribulations. And we let our systems and uh, processes lead us down that path. So a couple of uh, questions uh, just to clarify some things here. Uh, so um, you guys are involved in, uh, in fixed income, equity markets, etc. I presume you're not involved in futures markets? Uh, not at the moment. Okay. Okay. And uh, it sounds like you're not involved in individual stock selection. No, we, we have several individual stocks. So we have three different individual stock selection portfolios. Oh, okay. Okay. And uh, do you go long and short? Do you use options? Do you use leverage ETFs? Well, well not, not for the stock, but leverage ETFs for the market ones? What, what, what do you use here? Yeah, you know, so each portfolio is built differently, like that hammer and screwdriver, like that, you know, the, the driver, the, the putter, and the, you know, the seven iron. They each have a different job. So out of our 18 portfolios that you've mentioned, they're all, they're all tactically, you know, slash actively managed. And even our stock portfolios, we have a highly concentrated stock portfolio, holds 10 stocks. It's meant to get you alpha. That can go to cash. Um, that can that can have stops on it. We have risk, you know. We can um, overlay risk management strategies on top of that. Um, our sailboats that you mentioned earlier, again, um, as I mentioned, we short the market. We were short the market over the last couple weeks, and so we did that by taking a long position in in one of the direction products, um, or you know, the iShares HN or uh, SH. Yeah, um, so we'll, we'll take a long position for retail clients, and, um, and we won't use the futures or an options in a retail account. Um, and most of the time, people don't understand that in Suitable, so we will use an inverse product. So each portfolio is run differently. Some will short. Some are short currently as we speak. Um, some are in cash. Some are fully invested. So it really depends on the strategy. And like I mentioned earlier, we have something for regardless of what the market's doing. And a lot of people like to mix and match. Um, so they might put, you know, they might put, uh, you know, 50% of the allocation into the sailboat. And that's very adaptive, dynamic. It's shorting right now. Uh, they might put then a little bit in the, in the individual bond portfolio as an anchor to the portfolio. And then they might decide to take some risk in one of our individual stock portfolios. So it's kind of a, an advanced core satellite approach. And each core and each satellite has a different level of risk management and, um, and return-seeking characteristics. And so <clears throat> let me digress just for a second. There's really only two ways you can make money or manage money. And they're on the opposite sides of the coin. On one side of the coin, you have asset allocation strategies. And they, those were made famous by Harry Markowitz, right? Right. And it's your pie chart. And you, you, know, you diversify. But an asset allocation approach is, all, is a risk management approach. It's always going to give you an average return. Simply, if we had one over end diversification and we put 10% in 10 asset classes, you would, you'd get a little bit of what was working and a little bit of it wasn't working. You're always going to have an average return. Right. On the other side of the coin... And so for that, you can think bonds or asset allocation. For the other side of the coin, we have return-seeking strategies. They're focused strategies, and those were made famous by Warren Buffett. Those are strategies where we're placing a lot more money in concentrated asset classes or equities in hopes of outperformance. And so it's the other side of the coin. 
returns can be higher, returns can be lower, but you're, in order to get higher return, you have to be willing to take more volatility. And I think that's another big mistake investors uh, make, is that they, they want the return, but they're not willing to take the volatility. And of course, y- your listeners all know that prospect theory says that people are willing to take more risk not to lose money then they are willing to take risk to make money. And that's right. not a symmetrical uh, no. argument. That's, that's bad. That's not how you make money. So it's very simple. You break it down into heads, heads and tails, risk on or risk off, and you need to know what, what your strategy is doing. And so to keep it simple, what we do is we figure out how much risk on and how much risk off the advisor and the client wants, and then we position them with one of our 18 portfolios so they get the appropriate mix of risk on risk off. So if you think of your proverbial 60-40 you know, equity bond portfolio, our, our analogy would be let's use 60% risk off, 40% risk on, or, or vice versa, or 70-30, or whatever the appropriate mix is for the client. So it's just a different new paradigm of how to, how to think about the markets. And I think you get better results because clients have to understand that they're either seeking return or they're seeking safety one's heads and one's tails. If you flip a coin 500 times, it's not going to land on the side of the coin. And yet that's what clients want. They want to be on the side of the coin. And, and again, that's what the sailboats are really trying to do. They're trying to keep the client uh, in a balanced paradigm of risk on and risk off um, investments. Joe, uh, final question here. What book on investing would you recommend for our listeners? You know, um, Jeremy Siegel's Stock for the Long Run is a classic. You can never go wrong with that. Got it. Um, you know, and, and if you read Warren Buffett's Letters to Shareholders, that's a great way if you're a stock picker or you're an equity guy, you really want to understand, um, you know, one of the world's best investors. If you go back and read Warren's um, Letters to Shareholders, which they published in a book, I'm sure you can find it on Amazon, that's another another real a good must read so stocks for the long run and then some of buffett's shareholder letters yeah and we've had both of those recommended by others and great great choices here so provide your website and contact information for those who would like to know more jay joe well yeah absolutely charlie so our uh, our number is 206-386-5455 our web address is um, for your advisor audience would be synergy s y n e r g y hyphen a p alpha papa dot com so synergy hyphen a p dot com will get you to the, a, a nice advisor portal website we have several but that's the one I would go to synergy hyphen a p dot com my email is joe at s as in sam f as in frank m as in mary advisors A-D-V-I-S-O-R-S, Joe at sfmadvisors.com. Okay, final words for our listeners here, Joe. My final, for me, my final words? Yep. Yeah, you know, be a student of the markets. Be patient, be disciplined, have a system, work the system, associate your people, you know, associate with other smart people, discuss your system, get a collaborative effort on building a system, but have your patience, discipline, be intellectually honest, and follow your system. You'll have success. You know, I would only add to that, listen to Strategic Investor Radio here. No, nah, that's a good one. Absolutely. Yeah, that's right. Uh, that's the best. I should have gotten that one right. You know, I should have gotten one the first, that right the first time. And th- that's all right. We'll have you back, and you'll get a second chance here, Joe. Here. All right. I, w- I won't fail you. <laughs> okay. Again, <laughs> thank uh, you so Joe, much. thank you very much for joining us. Uh, our best wishes for your continued success. And again, uh, you can, uh, as you put your kids to bed at night, you can tell them that 
ambition can pay off because you are living proof of that here, here Joel, with uh, nine designations and uh, your background and all of the things you guys are uh, uh, providing and seeking to do. Uh, ambition is definitely in your blood. So congratulations and best of luck uh, going forward here. Thank you. Again, we've been talking with Joe Mass, founder CEO of Synergy Financial Management out of Seattle, Washington. You've been listening to Strategic Investor Radio on octalkradio.com. Uh, and you can go to our website and hear podcasts of all of our interviews and shows, strategicinvestorradio.com. I'm Charlie Wright, wishing you an enjoyable week and productive investing. Strategic Investor Radio is a production of OC Talk Radio and is provided for educational purposes only. Content of this program and the views of the guests should not be considered as recommendations by OC Talk Radio or investment advice from the host Charlie Wright or any other entity attached to this production. Investors should always consult qualified financial, investment, tax, or legal professionals prior to investing.